they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, September the 8th, the second Friday of September in the year 2023. And um, for the moment, this show is turning into Bible with the Barber. I'm a barber by marriage, not by trade. Don't ask me to cut your hair. <laughs> so, But um, Terry's with us in spirit. So we'll begin with a prayer. It's noon. So we'll say the Angelus, the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Pray for us, O most holy mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that in the same spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth. Plenis uncelli et terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini. Hosanna in excelsis. So today we're going to be looking at Romans 8, 28 through 30. And why did I choose that? Well, today the church celebrates the birthday of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And we celebrate her nativity because she is the mother of God. She is the woman that God chose, the woman of Genesis who was promised, the woman who would crush the head of the serpent, the woman who would be at enmity with the devil, whom the devil could not touch, the woman and Jesus refers to her as the woman at the wedding feast of Cana and again when he is on the cross. So um, she is the woman. And Romans 8 is used as the first reading for today's Mass for the Blessed Virgin Mary. It could also be the prophet Micah, Micah 5, 1 through 4a. But we're going to look at Romans today. Brothers and sisters, we know that all things work for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we want to know the authentic interpretation of Scripture. And the authentic interpreter of Scripture is the church. It is the church who gave us the Bible, the bishops of the Catholic Church who gave us Scripture. We Yes, the, the Jews didn't have a canon. They had no fixed canon at the time of Jesus. It wasn't until Jesus established his church, Ecclesia, his church, that we got a canon. And that wasn't until the, the late 300s, early 400s. So it took a while. It took a while. And yeah, it was codified at the Council, Council of Trent, but that it didn't change. The canon that was given in 395 and in, in 418, 420, the councils of Hippo and Carthage, that wasn't changed at all. It was just codified. It was set in stone. This is because at the time of the Protestant Revolt, certain books of the Bible were being challenged as if, well, these aren't scripture. We can't have these as part of scripture. And it was being challenged by people who didn't have the authority to say that. They were not the Pope and the bishops in union with him, who are the ones to whom Jesus gave the authority to safeguard and pass on the sacred deposit of faith. So what about this Romans 8? What it, 8, 28 through, through 30. What, what, is, what is he getting at? Brothers and sisters, we know that all things work to the good for those who love God. Well, gee whiz, look at the cross. Did it look like it worked to the good for Jesus? Look at all that Mary suffered in union with her son. Is that for the good? What, what, it, what is he getting at here? Well, what is the good? In paragraph 1821 of the Catechism, it says, We can therefore hope in the glory of heaven, of heaven promised by God to those who love him and do his will. We can hope for the glory of heaven. This is the promise, the glory of heaven. In every circumstance, each one of us should hope with the grace of God to persevere to the end and to obtain the joy of heaven as God's eternal reward for the good works accomplished with the grace of Christ. In hope, the church prays for all men to be saved. She longs to be united with Christ, her bridegroom in the glory of heaven. Hope, O oh my soul, you know neither the day nor the hour. Watch carefully, for everything passes quickly, even though your impatience makes doubtful what is certain, the hope that God has promised. Our impatience makes it seem doubtful and turns a very short time into a long time. Dream that the more you struggle, the more you prove the love that you bear for God. And the more you will rejoice one day with your beloved in the happiness and rapture that can never end. And that was a quote from St. Teresa of Avila. We were to hope in God and the promise that he has made. And if we have to struggle and if our struggle is long, that's only because God desires to give us a reward with him. Christ struggled. Christ struggled. He suffered. He didn't come to suffer so that we didn't have to. He came to suffer, to fill human suffering with his presence. Remember, sin and death, suffering entered into the world with sin. 
So God didn't make suffering, but we do suffer as a result of original sin. The effects of original sin are not removed, even though baptism removes original sin. It doesn't remove its effects. So we still suffer. But now, because of Christ, all of our suffering can be offered up in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. In paragraph 2016, it says, the children of our Holy Mother, the church, rightly hope for the grace of final perseverance and the recompense of God, their Father, for the good works accomplished with his grace in communion with Jesus. For the good works accomplished with his grace in union with Jesus. We do all things in union with Jesus Christ. All of our suffering can be offered up in union with Christ. As St. Paul said, I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. Keeping the same rule of life, believers share the blessed hope of those whom the divine mercy gathers into the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And the catechism gives us a few more comments on this paragraph. Um, why did the word become flesh? The word became flesh to be our model in holiness. We're to be conformed to him, remember? Brothers and sisters, we know that all things work to the good for those who love God, who are called according to his promise... For those whom he foreknew, I'm sorry, I'm, yeah, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become the image of his son. So the word became flesh to be our model in holiness. Take up my yoke upon you and learn from you, Jesus said in the gospel. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, again in the gospel. Those were Matthew eleven twenty nine and John fourteen six. On the mountain of the transfiguration, the Father commands, "Listen to him." Mark nine seven. Jesus is the model for the beatitude and the norm of the new law: love one another as I have loved you. This love implies an effective offering of oneself after His example. It is the example of Jesus that we follow. Look at Mark 8, 34. And then we have in paragraph 2012 of the catechism, it actually quotes the whole of that passage there that we just read from Romans, Romans 8, 28 through 30. And the whole point of it is, is that we are to conform to the image of his son. We're going to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And there's some commentary here, both in the Navarre commentary and in... Um, and in the um, Ignatius Study Bible, in the Navarre Bible commentary on, on verse 28, we are told, you know, we're, we know that everything works to the good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Awareness of God as Father helps us to see all the events of our life as orchestrated by the lovable will of God. You know what? I'm going to have to finish that on the other side of this break. So don't go away. Please invite your family and friends to join us. Let everyone you know know that we have a Bible study on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Please join us. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more on this commentary on Romans and why it's used for the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you for joining us on this Friday, September the 8th. Happy birthday, Blessed Mother, for Bible with the Barbers. And it's Barber today. (laughs) Terry is helping out with the grandchildren. We thank God we can help out with our grandchildren. It's a great joy. Children are a gift from the Lord, a blessing, the fruit of the womb, like the arrows in the quiver of a warrior. Oh, the happiness of the man who has filled his quiver with these arrows. He will have no cause for shame when he disputes with his foes in the gateway. So Romans 8, 28 through 30. Awareness of God as father helps us to see all the events of our life as orchestrated by the lovable will of God. Now, does that mean that God's going to take away all suffering, that we're not going to have, that everything's going to go my way, the way I want it, that everything's going to be according to what I want, my whims, my caprices, my desires, my, my comfort, my ease? Well, you know, take a look at Jesus. We're supposed to be conformed to the image of his son, it says there in Romans 8. So was Jesus' life full of comfort and ease, and did he do things according to his will? What was that commentary Matthew said there in uh, St. Amphorin's commentary on Jesus in the garden when he says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. He suffered, and he surrenders himself. His human will surrenders itself, and he surrenders his human body to suffering, to the will of God for the salvation of souls. So this commentary in the Navarre Bible goes on. Our Father gives us what is best for us and expects us to discover his paternal love in adverse as well as favorable events. So all the events of our life, whether adverse or favorable, whether we like them or not, we're to discover the will of God. Notice St. Bernard points out, he does not say that things suit our whims, but that they work for our good. They serve not caprice, but usefulness, not pleasure, but salvation. Not what we desire, but what is good for us, for our eternal salvation. In that sense, everything works for our good, even death itself, even sin. Is it not the case that sin, sin's do good to him who, who on their account become more humble, more fervent, more solicitous, more on guard, more prudent. Dare I say, draw nearer to God because they fell. God allows us to fall into sin to help us know our weakness and our incapacity to do his will without his help. So we think, oh, I can stand on my own. I can be strong. I can be. Read Father Chiswick's books, With God in Russia, and He Leadeth Me. And he talks there, especially in He Leadeth Me, he talks about the fact that as a Jesuit novice, he did all kinds of extraordinary penances, but he never asked permission of his superiors. He was standing on his own pride. So when he was put in prison under the communists in Lubyank, in Russia, in Moscow, and then spent years in the concentration camps in Siberia before they finally found him. His sisters kept looking for him. They didn't believe he was dead. They kept looking for him. The Jesuits were all praying for the repose of his soul. They figured he died. 
But he's, he's, it took God five years at the hands of the communists in Lubyank to break the pride, to break the self-reliance that Father Chesek had built up in himself because he did penances without permission. He had a very strong will. He was a very strong man. And he could do a lot on his own. But what he had to learn is in order to do God's work, in order for God to use him as an instrument, he needed to be docile to God. You got to read the books. It's awesome. Anyway, so I'll give you that. There's a great story. Don't forget it. Pass it on. Father Walter Chiswick. If we have this optimistic, hopeful attitude, we will overcome every difficulty we meet. All things work to the good and that God is our loving father who's taking good care of us and that nothing can happen that he doesn't allow and that everything that he allows will be for our salvation. The whole world seems to be coming down on top of you. Whichever way you turn, you find no way out. The time, this time, it is impossible to overcome the difficulties. But have you again forgotten that God is your father? All power, all powerful, infinitely wise, full of mercy, full of compassion, I might add. He would never send you anything evil. God doesn't give us evil, okay? That thing that is worrying you is good for you. The very thing that's worrying you, the troubles that assail you, they're, they're good for you. Even though those earthbound eyes of yours may not be able to see it now. Omnia in bonum, all in good. Lord, once again and always, may your most wise will be done. Now, it doesn't say there that God's going to remove the suffering. And by the way, it doesn't say there that just because we're doing God's will and all things are working to the good, that means to our salvation, by the way, not our earthly furtherance, not our fame, not our fortune. It's working for our salvation, to bring our souls close to Christ, to humble us, to make us dependent on God, to teach us to trust him like little children trust their loving father, okay? It doesn't say that we're going to be able to solve every problem or cure every ill or that we're going to know the right thing to do in every circumstances, that we're going to have all the right answers. This is a mistake that we sometimes make as Christians. Oh, but if I'm praying, then, then my ideas are the right ideas and that I have the right idea about how everything should go and everything needs to just go the way I want it to go because I'm praying and that, that, that makes me, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in accord with God's will, right? Not necessarily. All the saints have suffered, but most of all, Jesus Christ suffered and his mother suffered right alongside of him. She stood at the foot of the cross with him. She didn't leave. And so this suffering with, this being a part of this redemptive work of Christ, this is our calling. I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the good of his body, the church. Colossians, I believe that is. Okay? So we are not going to necessarily solve every problem or know the right answers, but if we unite all of our sufferings to Christ and say, Lord, help me to bear it patiently. No, and, and just admit our faults. You know, Lord, I'm not calm. I'm not at peace. I, 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 all these things make me nervous and upset, and I have emotions that I don't have control over. I have a body that I don't have control over. But you know what, Lord? I'm willing to give that all to you. I'm willing to surrender everything to you. 
so that you can guide and direct all these events for my salvation and even for the salvation of my family members. God is love and he loves us. He is a loving father who desires only our good, but our good is our eternal salvation. He's not looking for us to have a good, a permanent good here. We're not looking for a permanent paradise here on this earth. No, we're not looking for lasting happiness in this passing world. Absolutely not. By the way, there was a prayer in the Catholic Church for a while. One of the colleagues had that translation. Lord, give us lasting happiness in this passing world. But I'll tell you here and now, that was a false translation of the original Latin prayer. The original Latin prayer was, Lord, keep our hearts fixed there, heaven, where true joys are found, heaven, while we live in this passing world. And someone badly, badly butchered that prayer and gave us a translation that was absolutely heretical, that we would find lasting happiness in this passing world. That's not possible. Because our true happiness is union with God, and we can only have complete, full union with God in heaven. That's our lasting happiness. That's what God desires for us. So even in the midst of poverty, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of being misunderstood, ask for the grace. Take a deep breath. Before you respond to when you're angry, Jesus, I'm angry and I acknowledge the emotion of anger, but I don't want to consent to the sin of anger. So help me to just breathe through this or shadow box or scribble on paper or do something to work out the adrenaline that's caused by the emotion of anger, but not to respond to my husband, my children, my neighbors in anger. And I don't have to let people abuse me. By the way, if someone's abusing you, you have a right to defend yourself against them. And if that means giving restraining orders, if that means telling the neighbors you're not allowed to come near my home, that, that's so be it. They don't have a right to abuse you. We belong to Jesus Christ. We have been bought and paid for with a price. Nobody on this earth owns us. Nobody. And we don't own our own children. They belong to God. They're God's. They belong to God. He bought and paid for them. So Christ is the firstborn. The passage goes on to talk about Christ as the firstborn. We are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So Christ is the firstborn. Well, for many reasons, right? First of all, he's the firstborn of all creation. Colossians 1.15. He is eternally begotten, right? Because all things were made through him. John 1.3. He is also the new Adam and therefore the head of the human race in the work of redemption. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and verse 45. He is the firstborn from the dead. Colossians 1, 18 and Revelations 1, 5. And therefore he is the head of all those who have reached heaven and all those who are waiting their future resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 and 23. And finally, he is the firstborn among many brethren because... In the order of grace, he gives us a share in his divine sonship. We share in the divine sonship of Jesus Christ. He really became man. God really became man, right? By means of habitual grace, sanctifying grace, we become children of God and brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. For just as God chose to communicate to others is natural goodness, giving them a share in that goodness so that he might 
be not only good, but also the author of good things. So the son of God chose to communicate to others a sonship like his own so that he might be not only a son, but the firstborn of many sons. We are all sons in the son. Christ is the firstborn of many sons, and we become children of God by adoption through his son, Jesus Christ, who is our brother because he took a human nature to himself. It's amazing. This is what we believe as Christians. We're supposed to imitate Christ. Our divine sonship moves us to reflect the words and gestures of his only begotten son. We are supposed to become conformed to Christ, which means we don't run away from suffering. We offer our sufferings in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. There's another book, Johnny Erickson's book. Johnny is the name of the first book. A Step Further is the other book, Johnny Erickson Tara, where she talks about when she broke her neck. And her name is Johnny, J-O-N-I. It's not Joni. She said she was named for her father. But Johnny was slated to be an Olympic diver. She dived off a raft in shallow water in the Chesapeake Bay, broke her neck, and never made it to the Olympics. But she learned by reading the letters of St. Paul to accept her suffering as a gift from God and as a means of salvation. You want to get her books and read them. We need to understand that our suffering has meaning. Don't go away. We will be back with more on this short passage from the book of Romans and how it applies to us. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So we're talking about Romans 8, 28 through 30 today, because that's the reading that was used at Mass for this feast day, which is the feast of the birth of the the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, We celebrate the Feast of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th. Count nine months from December 8th, September 8th. So the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary is celebrated nine months after. Just like the Annunciation is on March 25th, so Christmas is celebrated on December 25th. And also because Christ's birth took place, according to, if you, if you, you know, read the, the um, tradition of the church, there is evidence that, yeah, this was considered the exact time that, that when he was born. Okay? So... We have this remarkable reality that we are made in God's image as um, and adopted as his divine sons, that his son became man so that we too could be sons of God and that we are supposed to look like Jesus. We're supposed to act like Jesus. Now we try. That doesn't mean everything I do is perfect. That doesn't mean I have all the right answers. That doesn't mean I can cure every problem or solve every ill. You know, if I, I'm not trained in psychology. So if, if someone who has mental illness comes to me, I can't necessarily help them get better. I can pray for them and I can ask God to intervene with a miracle, but God doesn't always intervene with a miracle to heal our ills. You know, I had an appendicitis when I was 19 years old. It didn't get diagnosed. I literally was sick with a ruptured appendix for a week and a half before they took me into surgery. Nobody, including myself, had any idea how sick I was until they opened me up. And all they found was an abscess the size of a grapefruit and peritonitis. <laughs> so it's like, oh, we got a mess on our hands here. This is more than we had bargained for. Fortunately, I was the first surgery of the day, not the last surgery of the day. So uh, they did the surgery and they left the wound open and they irrigated that wound. And it was a long, hard recovery. It was a long road to recovery. And uh, the doctor even used stronger antibiotics than he generally would use because he, after a week and a half or two weeks, the infection wasn't going away. 
And he said, I have to kill the infection or it'll kill her. So I got to get rid of it. I'm going to use a drug that's extremely uh, strong. But he said, I think it's a good drug. Um, there may be some harmful side effects, but it's either that or death. So, And so uh, the point of it being that all of our sufferings can be offered up. And God didn't heal me miraculously in the sense of... Um, you know, having someone come and say, Lord, the Lord Jesus heals you. He healed me through the hand of the surgeon. Now, there were several times in the course of that week, that sickness where I probably should have died. The very first day I was sick, I didn't have classical symptoms and I used a heating pad. I ruptured the appendix with the heating pad the first day I was sick. Oops, didn't know it. I was acting in ignorance and God didn't allow that to kill me. Uh, a week later, the... Uh, poison apparently spread through my body and hit my heart because my whole body went into tremors and I, I wasn't hot. I wasn't cold. I didn't have a high fever. I wasn't, and I was just shaking and I couldn't stop shaking. My, my pulse was so fast. My mother couldn't count it. And then they had me taken by ambulance to the, to the hospital. That's when I was finally admitted to the hospital. And, um, the doctor who did the surgery said that it was probably that the, the poison hit the heart. And for whatever reason, at that moment, it didn't kill you, but I did start throwing up. I, my throat felt like it was on fire, and I asked my mother for water to put the fire out in my throat. I drank the water, and as soon as I drank it, up it came. But something else came up with it that didn't taste very good. And um, my body stopped shaking. So apparently, and this is what the doctor said, well, apparently you threw off enough of the poison so that it didn't shut your heart down. And, um, and I still, from that moment, it was still, that was... M you know, Sunday night after midnight. So Monday morning, it was still Thursday before they took me into surgery. And when they got me out of surgery on Thursday, I literally don't remember Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they got me out of bed on the following Monday after surgery. That's the first day I remember they got me up out of bed and walked me. And I was not in ICU. I was in a med surge ward. Some of the nurses were mad at the doctor. Why isn't she in ICU? And I remember hearing him say that. And I thought, because I need intensive nursing care, I don't need monitors to be monitoring me. <laughs> So, you know, my, our, my surgeon was very, very, um, God, God have mercy on his soul, Dr. Albert Frischknecht. I'm sure he's gone now. He wasn't a young man when he did my surgery. And that was when I was 19 years old and you all can do the math, but I'm, I, I'm 66 now. So anyway, the point being that God didn't heal me miraculously, but he healed me and it, it took a while, <laughs> but he throughout the course of the illness, he just said, no, you're not going to die right now. I have, I still have a mission for you to accomplish in life. And that's, God has something for all of us, a mission, a mission. Get that in your head, please. Think of it. God is a loving father and he has a mission for each one of us in the building of his kingdom, the building of the kingdom of God. Each one of us has a part to play. And that part may be hidden and silent and, and may appear to be nothing, but the offering of our daily duties in union with Christ. Look at the blessed Virgin Mary. She never worked a miracle in her life. There's no recorded miracles. Now, she asked Jesus to work a miracle at the wedding feast of Cana, his first miracle, and he did it. And, but she never worked a miracle in her lifetime. She didn't go around preaching the gospel. She had a hidden life. She lived with Joseph and Jesus in Nazareth for maybe 30 years when Joseph died and then Jesus began his public life. She followed Jesus around in his public life. She served him. And, but hidden in the background, but she was there. She was there when he was suffering. She was there when he was in triumph. She was there at everything, the triumphs, the sorrows, the miracles. The, and then she was there at the end when the people denounced him and said, crucify him, crucify him. The people, the very people maybe whom he had fed with the 5,000, with the 5,000 people who had fed with loaves and fishes or the 4,000 people that he fed later on, you know, 
how many people in that crowd that were crying, crucify him, crucify him, had, had seen his miracles, had benefited from them, and now they're crying, crucify him. Mary's heart. A sword of sorrow, Simeon said, will pierce your own soul so that the secret thoughts of many hearts will be laid bare. Read Luke's gospel, the beginning there, the presentation of Jesus in the temple. So Mary is there and she's conformed to Christ in his glory and in his suffering and his eternal glory also she's conformed because she didn't shy away from the suffering. She embraced the suffering. She stood at the foot of the cross. She's there. Why was John the apostle the only apostle who was able to stand at the foot of the cross? Because who is he standing next to? He was with Mary. And Mary's entrusted to him, but he represents all of us. Jesus says to her, woman, behold thy son. And he says to John, behold thy mother. And John represents us all. She's our mother. Stay close to her. Hold her hand. It's okay to say I'm weak, Lord. I can't bear all this. Lord, take me to your heart. Hide me deep within your heart, Jesus. And Jesus, please carry the drama because the drama's crushing me. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, you're the one who saves. Save me. Your, your, your name means he's, God saves. Jesus, the Savior. It means Savior. He is the one who saves. Jesus, save me. So, Lord, help me decide to tear off through penance this pitiful mass that I have fashioned with my wretched doings. Then and only then, by following the path of contemplation and atonement, will my life begin to copy faithfully the features, features of your life. We will find ourselves becoming more and more like you. We will be other Christs, Christ himself. We will be Christ, and that's what we pray to be. And here's the deal. Blessed Mother Mary didn't draw attention to herself. At the wedding feast of Cana, when she asked Jesus to turn the water into the wine, and he says, woman, what to me is to thee? He's not putting her down. He's calling her woman, the woman of Genesis, the woman who was promised. Mary knew those, those passages. She recognized the call. Are you ready to stand beside me in my suffering? My hour hasn't come. I'm not going to the cross right now. But are you, willing, are you ready now? If I work this miracle, my foot will be set firmly on that path. I will go to Golgotha. All the passages about the suffering servant, how the Messiah would be rejected and would suffer, all of them are going to come true. Are you ready to stand beside me? Are you ready to walk that path with me? And Mary turns to the servants and says what? Yeah, he's my son. He'll do anything I ask. No, she says, do whatever he tells you. What is it that the Lord requires of us? To walk humbly with our God, to be obedient and to walk humbly with our God and to love, to love the Lord our God with our whole heart and mind and soul and to love our neighbor as ourself. So we love. And when we fail in love, don't beat ourselves up. Stop looking at myself. If, if every sentence begins with I, I did this and I did that and I'm so terrible and I know the devil's got us trapped into egoism. He's got us trapped into looking at ourselves and our own limited vision of the world. We need to start looking at Christ. Listen to him, the father said. The mother, blessed mother Mary says, do whatever he tells you. And he says, follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Yes, it's hard and you're hurting, you're suffering. And you have a lot of trials to bear, but it's okay. I'm with you. You're not alone. 
you are not alone. I am with you, even in your trials. You know, St. Dimphna is the patroness saint of the insane because her father, when his wife died, he was a, he was a pagan. She was Christian. She had become Christian. But when, his, when her mother died, she looked very much like her mother, by the way. This pagan chieftain was advised by his advisors to take his daughter as his wife. And, and Dimna said, no, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. I can't marry you. You're my father. And so she fled, but he pursued her and he killed her. She, he martyred her. She died for her faith. And so because her, her father's insanity and her sacrificing his life rather than giving in to his wants, she's the patron saint of the insane. There are other patron saints of the sa- insane. There were, you know, homeless people. Um, St. Joseph Benedict Labre was homeless and he had lice. And, you know, the rich women of Rome used to like to sit next to him in church because they, they discovered something. His body lice would never leave his body and go on anyone else. They only stayed on him. So they would sit next to him. It's like, this is interesting. People are funny. But, but the point is, you know, mental illness is a real thing. But emotional woundedness is also a real thing. And they're not necessarily the same. Now, emotional woundedness, if it's not dealt with, can lead to mental illness. But mental illness is not living in reality. It's making up my own reality and not facing the reality of what I live in. We're supposed to live moment by moment in the will of God. Do the will of God moment by moment. And this is what the Blessed Virgin Mary did. Moment by moment. When the angel said, he declared unto her that God wanted her to be his mother, she said, let it be to me according to thy word. I hear that music coming up. We're almost at the end of the program. Don't go away. Please invite everybody to join us. Share this with your friends and family. Let them know that there's a Bible study and you can join it. I'll be right back with more. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, September. This is September the 8th, the feast day of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I do want to thank, before the end of the program, all of our listeners all of our supporters, all of our benefactors, whether you pray for us, whether you offer your sufferings for us, whether you support us financially, whether you volunteer to help us, um, in any way in which you help. Thank you. And by sharing, by the way, by sharing the app, you're supporting us and you're furthering the word. I also want to thank the radio stations that pick us up. I know Stations of the Cross um, used to pick up Bible with the Barbers. I don't know if they're still able to do that. But um, if they do, thank you. And if, even if they don't, thank you for picking up the other programs we have. They pick up the Cherry and Jesse show, I believe. And then uh, there are lots of little stations that can pick up some of our shows. So, and then, of course, you have the, the, app, the um, social media platforms. You have our own app on your smartphone. You have uh, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, our website. So there are lots of ways to listen. Please, please share this with, you know, go, go to your email list. Go to your contact list on your phones. Send out to everybody the app or a contact uh, with, you know, the virginmostpowerfulradio.org that people can get the app and they can listen and um, begin to, the whole purpose of this is to grow in our faith every day. You know, we're here to get to heaven. And this is why, you know, we celebrate the Blessed Mother. And what we're looking at Romans 8, 28 through 30, and we're looking at it because this is a reading that the church gives us for the birthday of the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
And one part of this reading we haven't talked about was, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, this predestination, are we saying that as some of the Protestant reformers had said that, oh, well, it doesn't matter what you do because God has already determined who's going to heaven and hell. No, that's not what Paul's talking about here. Those whom he foreknew. Remember in the parable about the, um, the vineyard and the owner of the vineyard sends out his servants to collect the grapes at vintage time. And the people who are renting the vineyard won't give the grapes and they beat one and they kill another and they stone a third. And finally he sends his son. And what do the people who are renting the vineyard do? They kill the son. So what does it say? He will send out his troops to destroy those people and burn their cities. And he will rent out his vineyard to someone who will see to it that he has his grapes at vintage time. So God, he has... He has selected for divine adoption by an eternal degree. Okay, predestination. So we've been selected by God for divine adoption by an eternal decree. Okay, Ephesians 1, 4. Predestination is a mystery revealed but not fully understood. What we know for certain is that God is free to act as he chooses. Read Psalm 135, 6. And man is free to accept or reject his blessing, Romans 2, 6 through 8, Sirach 15, 11 through 13. No one is predestined by God for eternal salvation. No one. God doesn't predestine people for damnation. He has given us all the invitation to become sons in his son. But how are we going to respond? Do we respond like the Blessed Virgin Mary and say, let it be to me according to thy will. Let it be to me according to thy word. I will do God's will no matter how much suffering it means. I will follow Christ to the cross. I will offer all of my sufferings in union with Christ to help redeem the world. Or do we say, like the enemy said, I will not serve. Remember in our baptism, we renounce Satan. I renounce Satan and all his pomps and works and all his empty promises. I renounce sin and refuse to be mastered by the glamour of evil. And then we profess our faith, the creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, his son, Jesus Christ, our only, our, his only son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin, suffered, died, was buried, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of the everlasting. Amen. This is the creed. This is our baptismal promises. We should renew these promises every day. We need to remember that we renounced the enemy. By the way, have your children renew their baptismal promises. The world is out there. The television shows, the, the entertainments, maybe even your neighbors are encouraging your children to turn to the enemy for, for help or support or whatever. Remember, the devil is the enemy of all men. He hates God. He hates all men. There's no love in him. He rejected love. He rejected God. Freedom. God didn't predestined 
Satan for hell. He made him free and he gave him a choice. Will you serve according to my plan? Or are you going to choose your own plan? And Satan chose his own plan. But his own plan meant he was eternally frustrated. He would never have any joy. The Blessed Mother, on the other hand, did what? She chose God's plan, even though it meant suffering, even though it meant inconvenience. You know, the, the gospel for today is the gospel from Matthew of the genealogy of Christ and the trial of St. Joseph, where Joseph decides to divorce Mary quietly. Mary doesn't explain to him that an angel came to her and that this child is of God and that it's God. And she, and Joseph is caught in this conundrum, but he would have considered had she been unfaithful. It doesn't look like it. Uh, was she violated? It doesn't look like it. So is she the virgin of the prophet Isaiah? He may have considered that and thought, well, wait a minute, the child's born of a virgin. Then if I marry her, then everybody's going to think he's my son. And he is legally the father of Jesus. And that's why Joseph's genealogy is traced in Matthew's gospel, because it ties him to the tribe of Judah. But it also, Mary also was of the tribe of Judah, according to the tradition. She was of the tribe, they were both of the tribe of Judah. But the point of it being that they surrender themselves to God's will. They don't rebel. So this predestination isn't that God predestines anyone for damnation. He desires that all men be saved, and he pre predestined us to be his sons in the Son. But we have to freely choose it. And we choose it by trusting him. It doesn't mean the suffering's going to go away. It doesn't mean our circumstances are going to change. It means that if we offer ourselves in union with Jesus to help redeem the world and renew our trust every day and stop looking at ourselves and our circumstances, what happens is the storm is raging around us and we keep looking out at the storm, you know? <gasps> oh my gosh, this one said they're going to do this to me and that one said they're going to do this to me and oh, I'm overwhelmed. And again, like, you know, the earlier commentary I made, let's not look at that. Let's look at God. Let's look at God. Let's look at Jesus Christ. Let's look at the Holy Spirit. Let's look at our angel, the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Joseph, our patron saints. Let's look to heaven. God is with us. He hasn't abandoned us and he's with us. That doesn't mean we're going to be able to solve all the problems. That doesn't mean I'm going to have all the money I need to pay the bills. Maybe I'm always going to struggle with that. Maybe I will have the money to pay the bills. You know, it's funny. We surrender things to God and then work that I did for someone else. The money comes in and it's like, oh my gosh, they paid me. They actually paid me for what I did for them. Wow, this is awesome. You know, thank you, God. But whatever comes, whatever comes, do we surrender it? And this is what Mary did. This is why the church, and the church honors her. Why? Because Christ honors her. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. He justified his mother and he glorifies her. By the way, the fourth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother. Honor, the Hebrew word, it means bestow glory upon. We can't honor Mary more than Christ himself honored her. She is his mother. She is the mother of God. Mother's mother persons. And she is truly the mother of the second person of the Blessed Trinity. Yes, she's the mother of his human nature. But you mother persons, and he is a divine person. He's not two persons. He doesn't have a split personality. So Mary shows us the way, but it's this way of perfect trust. And Jesus told St. Faustina, the apostle of divine mercy, it is lack of trust more than sin that keeps people from becoming saints. We're all called to be saints. To be a saint just means 
to live in union with God. And I say just, and I don't mean that's easy. It's an arduous task because it's this task we have of tearing away that mask that we have formed for ourselves by our own sinfulness or that that mask of fear where we hide behind the fear and keep looking at the people around us instead of looking to God. Take off the mask and let Jesus see you without makeup on and say, Lord, I stand before you. You know I can't do this, Lord, but you can do it in me. And I trust you to do this work in me. And this is what Mary does. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit exalts in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. For behold, from henceforth all generations will call me blessed because he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has routed the proud of heart. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. God is faithful. God loves us. He's a loving father. The same loving father who took care of your needs yesterday is taking care of you today, one of the saints said. You know, one of the other saints said, flies trouble us not so much by their strength as by their number. <laughs> and this is the deal. You know, the devil and all his minions, the, the wicked people around us or the sinful people around us, the people who attack us, they're like flies. They have no power as long as we look to Christ. Call on the holy name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, save me. Jesus, I trust in thee. Jesus, I trust in thee. Jesus, I trust in thee. Jesus, hide me deep in the wound in your heart. Jesus, hide me deep in the wound in your heart. Hide me deep in the wound of your heart. And Jesus, carry all the drama. I can't carry the drama. I can't carry my neighbors. I can't save them. But Lord, have mercy on them. You died for them. You're the one who died. I'm going to cling to you, Lord. I'll cling to your cross. You take care of the neighborhood. You take care of the neighbors. You take care of the family. You take care of all those who are attacking us and all of those who are also supporting us. We're all in this together. We're all sinners. Jesus Christ came to save sinners, so we're in good company here. God wants to save us all, but we have to give him permission. So give God permission. Trust in his mercy. Pray, 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 hope, and don't worry. Pray, hope, and don't worry. Pray, hope, and don't worry. Jesus, I trust in thee. Jesus, I trust in thee. And Blessed Virgin Mary, Jesus gave you to us to be our mother. Please pray for us that we too will humble ourselves before the Lord and trust him completely. We give ourselves to the Lord and we trust in his merciful love. Join us again next week on Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Bye.